done this morning. Awesome. Amen. 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 You guys go ahead and grab uh, your Bibles. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 is where we're at today. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. Hey, as you are turning there, I do want to mention and invite you to one thing. Uh, Next Saturday from 12 to noon at the Hazard Pavilion, we're having a block party. Uh, and we're going to try to just share the love of Jesus with uh, the neighborhood there, that community where we've got the pool opened up for a, pr- a free public swim. Uh, we're going to put a blessing box there in front of the Hazard Pavilion. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a really cool time. And a lot of you have signed up. If you have, or si- if you have signed up or have not, I'm going to ask you to stick around church right here in this room for about five minutes for a quick meeting for anybody who wants to help with the block party next week. All right? All right? Awesome, awesome. So Matthew chapter 6 is hopefully where you're at. We are in a series. This is the fifth week of our series, Rhythm. Uh, Next week, we're going to wrap up this series. But what we're doing in this series is we are talking about building regular, repeated patterns into our lives to help us to know God and to pursue God. And I I just want to be real clear here, try to say this uh, in some different ways every single week, but I just want to be real clear at the beginning. Uh, What we're talking about in this series, we're not doing any of these things in order to get saved. You know what I mean? We're not talking about anything that we're doing in this series. Everything we're talking about in this series, we're not talking about that so that if we do it, then God will love us and then we can go to heaven. So last week we talked about community and we said, one of the things we said last week is that God wants us to be actively a part of the local church. And so maybe you were here last week or maybe, excuse me, maybe uh, today's your very first time. God wants you to be actively involved in the local church. We'd love for you to serve here, uh, become a partner here. Uh, But going to church doesn't get you into heaven. Amen? Did you know that? Going to church didn't get you into heaven. We, we talked about reading your Bible and God speaking to you as you read uh, Scripture. Reading your Bible doesn't get you to heaven. Praying doesn't get you to heaven. Uh, the only thing that makes us right with God, gives us a relationship with God, is Jesus, what Jesus has done for us. But once Jesus sets us free, man, he wakes something up inside of me and you so that we want to know God and pursue God. How can we know God better? How can we pursue God more? That's what we're talking about in rhythm. Every week in this series, we have unpacked something that will help us know and pursue God. So we talked about fasting, scripture reading, prayer. We talked about community. And today we are talking about the one topic that Jesus talks about more than anything else. In fact, if you, if you take the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and you combine everything Jesus talks about like into, into a subject, Jesus talked about this, t- this topic that we're talking about today. He talked about what we're talking about today more than he said anything about heaven, hell, and prayer combined. More than anything, he talked about this right here. And I think one of the reasons that Jesus talked about this so much is because Jesus knows that I am tempted to put my comfort and security in this far more than I am a lot of times. A lot of times I'm more tempted to put my comfort and security in this than I am maybe in him. Jesus knows that we're tempted to build our lives on this topic rather than build our lives on him. And so he talked about it more than anything else. And the funny thing is, is that the topic that Jesus talked about the most is a topic that the church rarely talks about. And one of the reasons that the church rarely talks about it, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. One, I'll be honest, the church hasn't done a very good job when it comes to this topic. Another reason when you talk about this topic, it gets awkward in church. The tension, there's, there's tension in the room when you talk about it. This is going to be, for some people, an awkward, tense morning because of what we're talking about. But we've got to talk about it because Jesus talked about it more than anything else that he talked about. Anybody want to take a guess about what that is? What did Jesus talk about more than anything else? You guess. Anybody? Money. Jesus talked 
about money more than anything else. Now, now, here, now here's why, and, and maybe, maybe even just as we bring that up, there's already people and your, just your anxiety level rose, your anger level rose. We shouldn't talk about that in church. Don't you know how bad the economy is? Don't you know how hard it is for people right now? Listen, and these are, the, the economy is rough, especially in this area. It's not a great time for a lot of people. But let's just prove Jesus' point here. Let's prove Jesus' point right now. Answer this question. Let's be as honest as, you, as, as we possibly can here in the room today. Okay, how many of you in here today, my hand is already up, okay? How many people in the room right now today have worried about money or finances at some point in 2017? Raise your hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look at these people didn't raise their hands. Man, y'all living right. Praise the Lord that you're here. That's awesome, man. Right? But did you see the hands that did go up? Did you see that? All, virtually every single hand in the room went up. See, everybody has thought about this. Some of us, we, we, you've thought about it. You've worried about it this week. And here's what I want you to know. This is not a sermon about money. This is not a sermon about giving. Now, we're going to talk about those things, but this is not a sermon about money or giving. See, it is easy to sing songs and to talk about how God's in control and God's going to take care of us and God's going to meet our needs. And we know that in our heads. But the same time we say those things and we know those things, our hearts can be filled with fear, anxiety, unrest, we lose sleep. We have a hard time even breathing, thinking about anything else. So I know in my head that God provides. I know that. But there's a lot of times, have you ever experienced when what you know in your head hasn't made its way to your heart? Have you ever been there? And what God wants to do in our lives is God wants to bridge that gap. God wants to bridge the gap between what I know in my head and he wants to take what I know in my head, what I believe in my head, the, the things that have transformed my life. God wants to bridge the gap between what I know in my head and take them to my heart so that they can transform me, so that they can transform our church in ways we've never imagined. So here's what we're going to do today. Today I'm going to give us five declarations that you and I can preach to ourselves, declare to ourselves. You can say it out loud. You can say it to yourselves. Every time that anxiety rises up, every time that fear about finances and resources or the future, are we going to be okay? Are we going to make it? What's going to happen to our family? Every time those rise up, I want to give you five declarations that you can declare, that you can preach over your life. Okay, so if you're not a note taker, you, maybe, uh, you probably want to be a note taker today. You want to write these five things down. They're already in the Summit app. You can open up the sermon notes section. And all of these five declarations are going to come from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. All right? So Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Let's read those verses right now. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. This is the longest sermon we've got from Jesus. And listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Here we go. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? 
No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Watch this. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more also clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So five declarations that you and I can make to bridge that gap, to bridge that gap and experience in our hearts the peace that we know from Jesus in our heads. Here's the first declaration that we can make. It's simply this, God is my provider. God is my provider. Can we all say it out loud? Can we say it out loud like your whole life you have been waiting and excited to hear a sermon about money and you're so fired up. Woo, today's the day. Let's all say that together. God is my provider. That's awesome. That's awesome. Listen to what Jesus says again. Jesus says this in verse 31 and 32. Jesus says this. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Rather, for the, your heavenly Father knows that you need all those things. See, right now, if you grab your wallet and you pull out a dollar or you're in your pocket, you pull out, you know, a quarter or a coin or anything, all the money that you have and all the money that you don't have but you wish you had. Hello? Right? Right? All the money that you have and all the money you don't have but you wish you had, all the money that we've got in your pocket or in your bank or stuffed under the cushion of your couch right now, it all says the point that we're making right now. God is our provider because every single bit of money that you've got right now, currency, it all says this right here where we live in our, in our country. It says this what? In God we what? Trust. In God we trust. Why does it say that? Because God is my provider. Now, now, you might be sitting there, and maybe you're bitter and cynical and jaded. Maybe you're already struggling with this because something's going on in your house and your family and your situation, and you're thinking, listen, man, I don't know what God's provided for me. Mark, maybe God's provided for you, but Mark, what has God provided for me? Well, man, I'm glad you asked. That's an awesome question. Let me give you some things that God's provided you. Here's number one. God has provided you life. Hello? God's given you the air that you're breathing right now. God's given you every ability that you have. God's given you every opportunity you have ever had and every opportunity you will ever have. God has given you, here's one, God has given you salvation. Anybody? Anybody? God has given you salvation. I love what Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says. Philippians 4 13, Paul says this. Paul says this in prison. Little food, little rest. He's being beaten. Paul in prison, Philippians 4 13, he says this. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. See, he, he personalizes it. He says, my God. My God will supply all my needs. Can I tell you something? You look like, some of you look like you need to hear this this morning. If you stack up your biggest need next to your God, your God is bigger than your biggest need. Anybody? 
right? God is bigger than your biggest need. So at the end of the day, listen, at the end of the day, we are not ultimately dependent on the economic status and econo- how, the, the condition of the economy in the area of in the country or in the country. At the end of the day, we are not ultimately dependent on our jobs. Praise God, thank God for our jobs, and thank God for that resource. But at the end of the day, we are ultimately dependent on God because God is my provider. Amen? God is my provider. God provides for our families. God meets my needs. God is my provider. Here's number two. Second declaration is this. More stuff won't make you happy. More stuff won't make you happy. Y'all are excited. I can tell you've been waiting for this one for a long time. This is amazing. Revival feels just like this, church. This is awesome. More stuff won't make you happy. How many people fall for this? My hand's up. My hand's up. I know this, but I fall for it all the time, right? Apple knows that I fall for this. They do. They must have meetings. Tim Cook and all the Apple people are saying, Mark will fall for this. It's awesome, right? I didn't know I needed a new phone until the new one came out. Right? Or, 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 and I don't know why. Y'all pray for me. I don't know why, but I, I can find myself on like Saturday afternoons vegging out for hours watching HGTV. I can. And listen, and I have no intention of doing anything on that channel. I have no intention of, of doing stuff to my backyards and all this. I don't know, but I can watch that all day long. And listen, when I watch that, I'm thinking this. Oh, my God, we need those cabinets. Oh, my, oh my goodness, we need those countertops. Elena, we need a bigger house. We need a bigger house. Then 30 minutes later, Tiny House Nation comes on. We need a tiny house. It's not a bigger house, it's a tiny house. Move all my family in the garage. We've been living there for six months. Right? I didn't know. I love what Solomon says. I love Solomon. He says this in Ecclesiastes 1.14. I have seen everything that's done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. Here's what that means. What that means is this. What that means is this. And listen, listen. I'm not saying it because it's spiritual. I'm saying it because it's true. More stuff will not make you happy. There's nothing wrong with wanting stuff. Okay? It's not wrong to want stuff. But we mess up when we think that more stuff is going to lead to more happiness. So so I need to buy that because then I'll be happy. Or I need to get in that relationship. I need to get in that job. I need to make this amount of money. I need to get this promotion. And then I'll be happy. And the crazy thing is, is all the evidence around us points to the contrary. Does it not? More stuff won't make you happy. Listen, listen, I don't even need the Bible to prove that point. Look at how many messed up celebrities there are, right? It's odd the things that, it's odd the things that you remember in your life. When I was in high school, when I was in high school, I was a massive Nirvana fan. Um, not, uh, Nirvana's a uh, Christian band from a long time ago. And um, so, uh, so, you know, they, they, they toured with the Gaither vocal band and all that stuff. It was great. And um, I, I love Nirvana. I really, I, I loved them. And I, I, I promise you I can I can remember right now as I'm on this stage, I can remember exactly where I was, even what I was wearing when I heard that Kurt Cobain committed suicide. To this day, I can remember exactly where I was and what I was doing. And I wasn't a Christian then, but I remember when I heard that, I heard it on the radio, I remember when I heard that Kurt Cobain had committed suicide, my first thought was, that guy had it all. That guy had everything. If he can't be happy, if he has everything and he does that, then what is there? 
And, and, and it hasn't stopped since him. I mean, you just look at celebrities or people, people that have arrived at the level that a lot of us are striving so hard to arrive to because we're convinced when I arrive there, my family will be happy, my wife, my husband, my kids will all be happy, everything will be better when we arrive here. There are people who have been here for a long time, miserable. Why? Because more stuff will not satisfy the cry of a thirsty soul. Right? Right? More stuff will not make you happy. But here's the third declaration that we've got to make. We've got to make number three. Jesus can what stuff never could. More stuff won't make you happy. Jesus can what stuff never could. Jesus can what stuff never could. Listen to what Jesus says here. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 6, he says this. He says, you cannot serve, verse 24, you cannot serve God and money. When I read that, when I read that, and you, when you read the Bible, you ought to ask questions to the Bible, okay? Don't be afraid to ask the Bible questions. What's that mean? How does that work? How does that play out? How does that apply to my life? What in the world is Jesus or Paul or Moses or whoever, what are they talking about? You cannot serve God and money. Here's the question I ask when I read that verse. How do you serve money? How do you serve money? Here's the answer. You serve money the exact same way you serve God. See, when Jesus uses the word serve, he means worship. Worship. You and I, we will either worship God or money. Jesus only gives two. I'm either going to worship God or I'm going to worship money. Well, not me. I'm an atheist. Listen, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. You will worship something. You will build your life on. You will build your identity. You will build your worth and your confidence and your hope on something. It doesn't matter if you believe in God. You will worship something. He said, we're either going to worship God or money or something related in that category. Status, comfort in our position, in our retirement. We're either going to worship God or something else. Listen to me. Anything, anything that you and I build our lives on, our comfort in, our hope in, our identity on, other than God, is an idol. Anything we build our lives on other than God is an idol. What's an idol? An idol is something that you worship. An idol is something that you worship. How can you tell what you worship? Let me give you a couple of diagnostic questions. Let me, ask, let me ask you a couple of questions. Here's one. What is the one thing in your life that if you were to lose it right now, you couldn't go on? I know we're in church, and the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but what is it really? What is it? If I lost my kids, I couldn't go on. If I lost my husband, I couldn't go on. My wife, I couldn't go on. If I lost my athletic ability, I couldn't go on. If I, lost my, if I lost my scholarship, if I lost my job, if I lost whatever it is. You know what, you know what most people's idols are? Most people's idols are good things that become ultimate things. Nobody in here, when I asked, what's the one thing that you lose if you lost it, you couldn't go on anymore? Nobody in this room said, crack! <laughs> Meth! Maybe you said that. I don't know. It's kind of a shady room. Uh, Everybody in here pretty much said good things that have become ultimate things. Here's this one. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. What would solve every problem in your life right now? You know what a lot of people just said? More money. More money would solve all my problems. If I had more money, I'd never worry again. If I had more money, we'd never be in trouble again. If we had more money, then we would have everything that we ever want. You know what I found from a lot of people talking to people in my life experience? I found this. More money a lot of times means more problems. 
And I found that people who have a lot of money, in fact, the level of money that some of us say, you know what, when I get here, I'd never worry. They've got it made. I found out they worry just like you and I worry, right? See, more money cannot take away all the problems in our lives, and more money can't give us the comfort that we need. The thing that we're really looking for, the thing that our soul is looking for is Jesus. Listen, Jesus never needs an upgrade. Did you know that? There is no new edition of Jesus that Apple is going to roll out, right? There is no upgraded version of Jesus. There's no better version of Jesus. The world can sell us whatever the world wants to sell us, but at the end of the day, Jesus will still be the living water, the bread of life, and the light of the world, meaning that he is the one who can satisfy the cry of the thirsty soul. Stuff can't, but Jesus can And listen, listen, we're going to unpack giving here in just a moment, but can I tell you that is why the rhythm of giving is so powerful in our lives. Because when you give, whether it's here or whether it's online, when you give, when you give, we'll talk about what it means to give in just a minute, but when you give, it says to your heart, it doesn't say something to anybody else. Nobody else needs to know what you give. But it says to my soul, it says to my heart that God is my confidence, not money. God is my hope not money. It breaks the back of greed and materialism in our lives when we say, Jesus, I will trust you right here. Because Jesus can what stuff never could. Fourth declaration is this. Here's our fourth declaration that we're going to make. Here it is. God went first for me, so I put him first. God went first, so I put him first. Did you know that God went first for you? Did you know that? Did you know that God went first for you. You say, what's that mean? Let me tell you exactly what that means. John chapter 1 verse John chapter 1 verse 3 says that all things were made through him and by him. All things Jesus made, all things. Did he ask you if you wanted to be made before he made you? Did he? No, he didn't. He didn't consult you. He didn't have a meeting with your parents. He didn't talk to some of your family members. Jesus just went and created you. Why? Because Jesus went first. 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 says that we love God because God loved us what? First, listen, God wasn't, God wasn't in heaven what wringing his hands saying, oh, I hope they like me. Oh, I hope they want to go out with me. Oh, I hope they notice me. No, God loved me before I even knew there was a God. God loved me before I even knew him. God loved, God loved me before I even had a relationship with him. God went first, and he said, you know what? I will love them even though they're not worthy. God went first. In fact, God went first. John three sixteen says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Because God loved us first, God went first, and he knew that our deepest need was a savior, so he sent his only son, Jesus. We didn't ask him for a savior. We didn't ask him to send Jesus, but here's what God does. God goes first. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, everybody say dead, dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We were dead. Dead, y'all. Yeah, see? Yeah, dead. There you go. It's catching on. That's right. We were dead. Dead. Do, Do you understand that? I love this because this tells me that I'm not a Christian because I have a good track record of making great decisions. (laughs) I love this because this says that none of us are Christians because at the end of the day our parents raised us right. None of us are Christians because we're good moral citizens and we go to church and that's what we do. This says, this says, we were dead. 
and doing our own thing and convinced we had the world figured out. And God says, no, I love you, and you're going to waste your life, and you're going to sell your life out on small things, and ultimately, you will spend eternity separated from me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come after you because I'm a God that goes first. And God, when we were dead, made us alive, church. God made us alive with him. God goes first. And because God went first, he wants to be first, so I'm going to put him first in my life. How do we do that? This is a principle that the Bible calls tithing, right? This is a principle that the Bible calls tithing. Here's what that means. To tithe biblically in the Old and New Testament, it means to give God what's called in Proverbs 3, called the first fruits. Proverbs 3 calls it the first fruits, meaning the top 10%, 10%, the first 10%, before we pay anything else, before we give to anything else, we are going to give back to God through the local church. We are going to take the first fruits of what God has given to us, and we are going to take, if God calls us, hey, if you can go to 10%, let's go for 10%. The first fruits, we are going to surrender that and give it back to God. In Exodus chapter 13, Exodus 13, God comes to Israel and he calls Israel to tithe, to give the first 10%, their firstborn son, their firstborn livestock. He calls them to tithe and to give it back to God. And here's why God says to do it in Exodus 13. It's because God delivered them out of the slavery of Egypt. Well, listen, God did not deliver us out of Egypt, did he? God delivered us out of something better than even Egypt. God has delivered us out of sin, death, hell and the grave and God has made us alive so that look at this verse 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 it says this for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty so that we by his poverty might become what what's it say what what rich rich so that we because of Jesus might become rich now that doesn't mean next week you're rolling up in here with a BMW Rolex is bling you know what ah! if you did that'd be that'd be hilarious by the way um it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that man I'm not preaching this is not the prosperity gospel give your life to Jesus and all of a sudden you get salvation and a Rolls Royce that's not what it says but it means that man I am rich spiritually I'm rich spiritually. Why? Because now I'm an adopted son. We are adopted sons, daughters of the king of the universe. Jesus is our inheritance. Jesus is in our account, and we belong to him. We have all things in Christ. So because of his poverty, we are rich. And because Jesus went first, and he wants to be first, we will put him first and say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you in this Area. See, here's what Jesus says, and we already read it a minute ago. He says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says this, listen, if you want your heart to go towards heavenly things, eternal things, if you want, if you want a heart set on living for the glory of God, turn your heart from living for small things in the world and turn your heart towards heavenly things. Jesus, what's the best way? What's a way that we can turn our hearts towards eternal things? Jesus says, invest in heavenly things. Don't store up treasure here. Don't store up treasure here. It rusts. It gets old. They come out with an upgraded version. Stuff's not going to make you happy. But take your resources and turn them towards heaven. Put God first. Why? Because he went first. And that leads right into number five, and then we're done. Number five, and then we're done. Here's number five. Fifth declaration is this. Generosity is a journey, not a destination. Generosity is a journey, not a destination. 
I want us to see this. I want us to, I want us to see what the Bible says here. So if you've got a Bible open or maybe on your phone, I want you to go back one book to the last book of the Old Testament. It's called Malachi. Looks like Malachi, but it's Malachi, right? Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. Look what, the, look what God says to Israel. Watch this. Watch, watch, watch. Let's read this. Let's read. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 7. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed God? This is God talking. God says to Israel, Israel, you're robbing God. Israel, God, how are we robbing you? Here's God's answer in your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Meaning they're just not doing it. They're doing their own thing. They're living their own lives. And you know what? Other people can give and other people can do this generosity thing. Not me, man. I got, I got stuff going on over here. And God says, no, 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 man, you are robbing me. Here's God's solution, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Storehouse, modern day equivalent, will be the church. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Watch this. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and, the, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Did you see what God says there? God says, listen, listen, don't, don't rob me. Don't, don't try to back out of this. I know you're going to have a hard time with this. <laughs> I know that you're going to have a hard time. I love that God says, I know you're going to have a hard time handling this one. When it talks about money and resources and giving, I know that you're going to have a hard time. But God says this, and God doesn't say this about anything else in the entire Bible. God says this, I know you're going to have a hard time. So, verse 10, therefore, put me to the test. Try this out and see what happens in your life. Try this out. Put, put this on. Take a step towards generosity. And watch what I do in your life. See, some of you, you're already on the journey of generosity. And if you're on that, that journey of generosity, maybe you are, you know, giving regularly, faithfully, obediently. Maybe you're, you're trying to make your way to 10%. Maybe you are actually tithing that 10%, but you're on the generosity journey. Listen, if that's you, then listen, stay on that journey. That's awesome. Praise God that you're on that. Maybe, though, there's some of you here, maybe there's some of you here, and you've never started that journey. Maybe every once in a while you've kind of dabbed your toe in that water. But I'm talking faithfully, regularly, obediently. And right now, maybe God's talking to somebody in this room and, and, and Jesus is talking to you about this. Hey, I want you to try this out. I want you to test me in this. See, here's where a lot of people, uh, a lot of people mess this up. Let's get really practical here at the end of the sermon. A lot of people mess this up because they think this way. Listen, I can't even give 10%. I can't even give uh, 2%. I don't even know if I can give 1%. I can't do 10%, so I'm not gonna do anything. Listen, 10% is not the ceiling. It's not the destination. I mean, even the New Testament, Jesus, Paul, talks about giving generously. They actually call some people, they actually call people, if you can go above and beyond 10%, to actually go above and beyond 10%. But 10% is not the goal. 10% is part of the 
journey. And a lot of people think, well, you know what? I can't even do that, so I'm not going to do anything. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. What if you took a step? What if our whole church took a step towards generosity? Say, Mark, how can we do that? Let me tell you how we can do that. Let me tell you how we as a church can build this rhythm into our lives, how we can test God and watch what God does. And listen, there are story, there's story after story of people in this church who have tested God in this, who have tried God in this, and they have come to me and they said, Mark, I can't believe that I didn't do this for so long. Mark, I didn't know that this would happen. Mark, I didn't know what this would do to my own heart. I didn't know what this would do to my family. Mark, I love the fact that God gives me the opportunity to give. See, listen, giving generosity is not a punishment. Giving is a joy. Amen? Giving is a joy. Generosity is a joy because of what Jesus has done in our lives. So how can we, I, take that step? I read about something called this right here. It's called the 730-90 Beyond Challenge. 730-90 Beyond Challenge. Challenge you this way. Maybe you've already given today. Maybe you already gave online. But I want to challenge you this way. Maybe you're here and, and God is speaking to you. Hey, you need to start this journey. Let try me out in this. Take a step in obedience and surrender the area of your finances to me. Trust me in this. So, so maybe you've already given today, you've already given online, but if you have not, I want to challenge you. If you have not, over the next seven days, over the next seven days, challenge you to do it. Challenge you to give. Challenge you to give. Now, that amount is between you, your family, and the Lord, all right? If you can't, uh, 10% mark, we can't even do it. Hang on, I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But the amount is between you, your family, and the Lord. Jesus is not so much interested in the amount as he is in your heart. Did you know that? Jesus is interested in your heart, man, right? So, so. Challenge you, give over the next seven days. And then one week later, so a week from Sunday, we're going to take that step. You can give online, you can give through the app or whatever. Take that step. What do I do after seven days? Here's what I, that, that set, here's what I challenge you to do. Then, over the, over the span of the next 30 days, that'll take you to about the middle of September, over the span of the next 30 days, about the middle of September. Depending on how, you, how your job works, how your pay schedule works, I don't know how you get paid at your boss, I don't know how your boss pays you, your work pays you, or your uh, dealer or supplier pays you, I don't know, so it's shady in here for some of y'all, right? I don't know how you do that, but if it's once a month, then hey, you know what, over the next 30 days when that happens, we're going to do it. If it's every other week, if it's every week, hey, you know what, we're going to do that every time. We're going to take this step over the next 30 days. What do I do at the end of 30 days? Well, then I want to challenge you to give for the next three months. At the end of 30 days, you'll be in the middle of September, three months. You'll be at the end of 2017, the end of December. And can I tell you, here's what will happen by the end of 2017 if you take this step. Seven days, 30 days, 90 days, you know what you're going to have built into your life by the end of 2017? You're going to have the rhythm of generosity built into your life. It's going to be a part of your finances. It's going to be a part of your family that, hey, you know what? We give the first fruits back to God. We take this step and give back to God. Now, some of you are sitting there and you're saying this, Mark, I can't even take a step right now. I want to say, number one, I understand. Number two, hear me on this because I just want to remove all legalism from the room. God's love for you and God's grace in your life does not depend on your level of giving and generosity. Did you know that? Right? God's love and grace in our lives doesn't depend on what we give. It depends on what Jesus already gave. All right, we're giving, like we said at the front, we're giving in response to what Jesus has done in our lives. We love him so much, we'll say yes. We will open up our lives, we will say yes, and we will surrender this right here. Mark, I can't even take a step. If that's honestly where you're at, that's between you, your family, and the Lord, and I want to challenge you, when you can take that step, step, commit right now in your heart. Jesus, as soon as we can take that step, we're gonna take it. 
because it's clear in your word. We're going to trust you, and we're going to begin to build the rhythm of generosity in our lives. Listen, church, what would happen, what would happen if the church of Jesus Christ, if every Christian gospel preaching, Jesus-loving church, what would happen if all the churches in the world that loved and proclaimed Jesus tithe? What would happen? Can I tell you what would happen? Let me tell you what would happen. If every single church tithes, if every single church tithes, I'm just talking 10%, that's a total of about $165 billion. Let me give you some statistics here. Tithers make up about 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. Only 5% of the U.S. tithes with 80% of Americans only giving 2% of their income. Listen to this stat. This is crazy. This is wild. Christians are only giving 2.5% per capita, while during the Great Depression, they gave 3.3%. Think about that. <laughs> right? What would happen if Christians, if the church of Jesus tithed? What would happen? we would make a worldwide impact almost immediately. I shared these with our church before. I want to share them with you again. If Christians tithe 10%, that'd be $165 billion for churches to use and distribute. Watch this. $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. Hello? Right? Let's keep going. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where 1 billion people live on less than a dollar a day. $1 billion could fully fund overseas mission work and plant churches. $100 to $110 billion would still be left over for additional ministry expansion. So let's wrap this thing up. Let's wrap this thing up. This has not been a sermon about giving. Yeah, giving's in there, and this hasn't been a sermon about money. Yeah, money is in there, but this has been a sermon about bridging the gap between what I know in my head and what I'm experiencing in my heart. Because I can talk about Jesus says, don't worry, Jesus is in control, and at the same time, my heart is filled with fear and anxiety and unrest. But I want to close today with the words of Jesus. I'm going to let Jesus close the sermon today in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33, here's what Jesus says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I love that your word is not afraid, Jesus. You are not afraid to talk to us in uncomfortable areas. And a lot of times when it comes to things like our resources, our time, our talents, our treasure, we can look at that and think, well, that's ours. That's, our, that's ours. What we do on Sunday, that's God's. We go to church and all that other stuff. But this, everything else is mine. Jesus, none of it's ours. It is all yours. You are our provider. You've simply put every single resource that we have in our lives in our hands. And you've called us to be good stewards, good managers of it. And so, Jesus, I pray that right now you would move in our hearts, you would move in our lives in such a way that you would bridge that gap between what we experience in our heads, what we experience in our hearts. Jesus, I pray that right now you would move and, God, you would make us a generous people. I pray, Jesus, when we read stats like that on the screen, I pray it wouldn't be just numbers. I pray that we would see faces with those numbers. I pray that we would see the impact it could make on this community. I pray that it would see the, we would see the impact that a group of people, the church, can make when they come together and say, Jesus, yes, 
to you. Because that's where it starts. Generosity is not first a money issue. Generosity, giving is not first a money issue. It doesn't start with money. It starts with my heart. It starts with my heart. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. Is there an area of your life where you have been trying to hold it back from God and today Jesus is calling you to surrender it? And today you need to say yes to Jesus in that area for the first time. It might be your finances. It might be where you need to say today, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with this. And listen, the devil is going to tell us after what we talked about today, the devil is always going to tell us, hey, you know what, what that guy talked about, it's not a good time, later it's a good time. The, The devil is always going to tell us later is a better time. But maybe today Jesus said, hey, I want you to trust me in this area. I want you to test me in this, the area of giving and generosity. I want you to begin to do this. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe something going on at home. Maybe it's some kind of habit or sinful pattern that's come into your life and nobody knows about it, you and God, and you've been holding on to it thinking you can't live without it. And God is telling you today, listen, that's an idol in your life, and I want to set you free from it. So maybe it was finances, but maybe it was something entirely different. But if you are here today and you say, Mark, there is something in my life that I need to surrender to God, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you? Whether it's finances or anything at all, just raise your hand right now. Hi, so I can see it. Mark, there's something in my life i got to surrender to God today. There's two hands right here, another hand right there. There's another one right over there. Anyone else? There's just something i got to surrender today. Raise your hand. There's one right over there. God bless you. God bless you for that hand. Amen. Amen. Jesus, that's what we're talking about today. We are talking about surrendering to you. Surrendering to you into the deep, in the deepest places, in the hardest places, most significant places. God, I pray we'd surrender. You might be here today and you need to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. You might be a teenager who needs to say yes to Jesus for the first time. You might be an adult, a mom, a dad, a grandparent. You might have strolled in here today for the very first time and you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. You don't have a relationship with God. I want you to know Jesus loves you and right now he wants to save you and if you will say yes to him, he will come into your life and radically make everything different. You won't leave perfect, but you'll leave changed. And so right now, if anybody in the sound of my voice wants to surrender to Jesus and say yes to him for the first time, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me today. If you wanna give your life to Jesus and say yes to him, for the first time, just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I give my life to you right now. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to surrender all that I am to you. You gave all you are for me. Thank you for loving me, dying for me, coming back from the dead for me. Help me to live for you. Starting right now. just prayed that prayer you just made the biggest and best decision of your life and I would just love to celebrate with you today if you said yes to Jesus today for the very first time I want you to do just like dozens of other people just did a moment ago when they said there's something in my life I got to surrender to God if today you just said yes to Jesus for the first time and asked him to save you I want you to put your hand high up in the air right now just so I can see it and pray for you just go ahead and put that up right now anybody in the room just go ahead and put that up there today I gave my life to Jesus for the first time just go ahead and do it amen Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you that you don't just save us so that we can come to church and go through some motions. 
call us to give our whole lives to you. Jesus, we have been in the series called Rhythm. God, I pray that, that what we talk about today, this rhythm of generosity, pray we would build this into our lives. Pray we'd be built deeply ingrained into our church. That Jesus, we would say yes to you in every area. Because you love us and you went first. We put you first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's thank God for today. Let's give God praise. Hey, let me me say this really quickly before we dismiss you. I want to invite anybody that wants to help out with the block party. Stick around here for uh, about five minutes. We just want to talk to you really quickly about what we're doing next week. And also, if you're a first, second time guest, we'd love to connect with you this morning at our welcome table. All right, everybody stand up. Everyone stand. Church, Jesus made us alive, like we said earlier, not so that it would stay here, but we would go to the world. Let's take that message to the world this week in worship and obedience. You guys are dismissed. Love you guys. Bye.